CJSW's 2019 funding drive is now live. Pledge to this podcast by visiting cjsw.com slash donate. Is the lady of the house at home? You are listening to CJSW 90.9 FM, broadcasting out of Calgary, Alberta, at the University of Calgary campus radio station, which is located on Treaty 7 land. I would like to take this opportunity to acknowledge the traditional territories of the people of the Treaty 7 region in southern Alberta. The city of Calgary is also home to the Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 3. Hello, you're listening to Yeah What She Said here on CJSW. And my name is Georgia Jones. I'm your host this month. Now, this month is also Funding Drive at CGSW. And the theme this year for Funding Drive is space-related interstellar signals. Can you hear me? Well, we feminists are a contrary bunch sometimes. And we like to look at things perhaps from a different perspective or try out different perspectives. And we thought that we would do that with a theme of space and think and talk about the importance of making space, of finding space, of having space. Now, yeah, what she said, contributor Kit Coleman is going to be talking to Jessica Clark from Calgary's Women's Centre later on in the show about about women's spaces and the importance of a space like a women's center in a city like Calgary. But before that, I'm going to start out with an interview I did with Calgary-based musician, teacher, activist, and human being extraordinaire, Kenna Barima. Now, I met Kenna a few years ago, and I remember being struck by her smarts and creativity and just what a what a really decent person, thoughtful person she seemed to be. And so when I was thinking about this theme and I had I, I remember seeing that she had had a child recently, I, I thought to myself, hey, wouldn't it be interesting to talk to her about how her understanding of having space, creative space, mental space, the spaces that she works in and that she lives in, how these ideas have changed as she's gotten older, but also as she's become a mom and her her life has changed in this way. And I also thought it would be really cool to do this interview in her space at her home. So on a very, very, very snowy Sunday morning a couple of weeks ago, I headed out to Kenna's place to have a chat with her. And you will hear a little bit from her daughter, Eliana, in the background, who was being extremely patient while her mom and I chatted about feminism, creativity, and a bunch of other stuff. So yeah, there yes. it is. So that'll be in the background. That's okay. Right? And that's, because um, like I think 
being legit about how we weather multitasking. <laughs> Surviving. Surviving. Baby. Yeah. Oh, baby. Well, you know what? Yeah. The baby's pretty cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. I haven't locked it yet. I haven't figured out those things. I got off. I got off living offline. I think before we we'd had her. Thank yes. Thanks for that. Um, but that was a big turning point for me too, because for a number of years, I did exist sort of IRL, you know. But then also I had a very uh, active, very intense online um, living experience, um, and to sort of close the door on that part. Leaves a lot more space for me to do other stuff in the in, in real life. That's that's again, I think, my privilege that I'm able to do that too. You know. That's interesting. That yeah. so when you had Eliana, you moved away from the online space. Yeah, and absolutely. Entrenched or spent more time. Yeah. Oh well, I think the interesting thing that I discovered is that. I think I'd started uh, extricating myself before that, had Ellie, and then came back into it to lurk because the nature of uh, late night breastfeeding for the first, and she's still breastfeeding, you know, she's, um, but, you know, not at night sometimes. Uh, but the nature of that, it can be really isolating and lonely. So going back to social media, mm-hmm. just scrolling through Instagram, lurking through Facebook, uh, I discovered wasn't hel- like it, it actually like got me anxious again about life uh, and the world in general. So I so I find that my relationship to social media, particularly, uh, is just such a ebb and flow. Because as a musician and a self-employed person. It is a tool that I mm-hmm. must utilize and can utilize in a really positive way. Um, I haven't been able to find a happy medium in the way that uh, I, in a way that I can um, communicate and converse uh, online in a social setting. Okay. Uh, because uh, I'm so questioning how um, I feel that in the past. Uh, one of the big parts uh, of me, you know, just changing and progressing and evolving was living and in really, really intense, uh, living intensely online, like being a strident feminist. And ultimately what I saw happening was that I was working out my beliefs and uh, what I felt were injustices and working out what I actually believed about feminism, and ultimately what I came to believe is white feminism, um, through interacting with people who did not agree with me. And I can't, even now, a couple of years outside of it, I can't necessarily say if, if it was successful or not successful. I don't know if that's necessarily the end game. But what I have realized is that if I don't feel comfortable having those conversations online anymore, but I still want to have those conversations, it means that I now... I'm figuring out a way to have those conversations in real life. <laughs> what have you figured out? <laughs> I figured out that emotion is not necessarily a bad thing. And I certainly think that I, like, certainly, <clears throat> certainly other people's emotions, especially when uh, they're coming from people who have routinely been 
oppressed and marginalized by the system and by society. Like, I think that uh, respecting the, the, the those emotional reactions was my first step in being able to accept my own emotional reactions uh, to things. Like, really feeling passionately about so many things and then that emotion just sort of inhibiting me from being able to converse. Okay. And not only converse, but, you know, ultimately, and not to, you know, do the backpedal, but, like, but to actually listen and try and figure out why something's happening. Mm -hmm. So, for example, uh, when, and what was this? I, I can't remember how many months ago when it's, the story started coming out uh, of... Uh, the treatment of children down in, down in the states that so were attempting to cross the border, and it just uh, coupled with stories that were starting to come about uh, out about um, continued graves being unearthed of uh, bodies from children from residential schools. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just all those stories that really uh, make it impossible for me to not have an emotional mm-hmm. attachment to it. Regardless of being a mother or not, so then if if we are now and I feel that I'm in such heightened emotional state a lot of the times, that still doesn't negate me from the responsibility of attempting to understand understand the like understand the picture. Because mm-hmm. how we actually got to a place, or how a country actually got to a place, and 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 how we are in a political climate now, where I see feel so at odds with. Uh, the party in in government power, um, I think a big part of it is like how how do I figure out how we got there, or at least my little part of how I got there, and then how do I how do I attempt to still um, make my opinions known and feel like I'm engaged in a meaningful way that very easily in the past was expressing myself in posts on social media. So how do you express yourself now? Does it does it funnel into your creative space, or does it? It does. Overlap? It does, but in a surprising way that I didn't actually think was the case. Um, in my last, and I'm glad you asked this because right now the space that I'm holding onto very much is uh, the beginning of the summer. I started feeling like it was time for me to write my next album, and, and material for my next album started bubbling up, and it was this really wonderful. Uh, just a sort of spontaneous um, urge, which was really uh, a relief uh, <laughs> coming off of. Um, and I was never necessarily fearful of the because of, of, I just come off. She was just turning two, right? So two years into parenthood, I think that's probably a common occurrence that a new mom or a new parent of of any kind would go. Okay, I have a little time to breathe. They, the, the child is sleeping through the night, kind of, and I have a little bit more space. I can put them in front of a TV for however amount of time. So the fact that my that the 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 muse has captured me, um, whatever analogy or metaphor works, um, that's the space that I'm I'm just so covetous of right now, mm-hmm. um, because uh, being a parent now takes up everything. And then it, now it's just a matter of trying to fit in the things that I want to do, and, and AKA uh, having a job and teaching music and, and, and doing those kind of things to pay the bills. Uh, but this album that I've been writing, um, 
I feel this real urge to be, uh, to make a statement, uh, and to make a statement of how I feel about the world. And I, at least the place that I'm in right now, where I feel best to make that statement is in a very personal expression and a very personal, very honest and very vulnerable, uh, expression because I think where I'm at is that if I am not going to be completely honest and real about what's coming out of me creatively, um, then how can I expect people to have any interest in what I have to say? That's the question that I'm asking myself now. Is it a different kind of honest and real than you've been in the past? Absolutely. And the reason is because... um, the source material that I'm using to write the album, it's it's gonna it's gonna sound so not snobby. I don't, I don't mean snobby, but it's very much this is a concept album. I'm writing a concept album. <laughs> awesome. And the con- concept albums have traditionally been associated with men. Yeah, absolutely, right? Ah, the ego of the concept album. But but I'm I've taken hold of it, and so what I what I'm doing is I am drawing lyrical content uh, from uh, my journals and very specifically my journals where I started deciding that, okay, I'm going to, uh, the the best metaphor or the best sort of structure that I have to describe what I decided to endeavor in is doing shadow work, like deciding to follow what, what, what my, to accept an emotion, a lot of times it was anger or fear or whatever, a lot of those negative emotions, follow where it's going and, and generally, the analogy is it goes down, dark, deep. And so, for me, it's like uh, figuring out my shit. And so, figuring out my shit is then the words of me figuring out my shit. Because I found that journaling, and I think this is for a lot of people, you just write just, ugh. I know radio's not going to capture it. But, like, this, just sort of just, like, writing it out, talking it out, just, like, getting it out. So there's a lot of dark demons in there, and I'm writing songs using that. And that place of vulnerability uh, is very scary, uh, but it feels pretty great. It feels lighter. Like, I really feel lighter. Um, And certainly I'm not going to, like, let's be honest. I think that the way that shadow work works, I I think the way that therapy works is that you feel safe to share those dark thoughts, dark feelings, all the, the darkness. Um, so certainly I'm not just going to let it all out in, in songs because I think that there can be an element of, we're in a time where I think it's, 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 it's tricky to be public and it's tricky, it's tricky to find a safe place to share vulnerability. And I think that having discernment about where that safety occurs, I think is really important because I don't think it's safe <laughs> necessarily. Uh, and again, uh, I'm speaking from a, you know, a privileged white woman, you know, to, I, you know, I can't imagine. Where is it, where is it safe, you know, where is it safe for anyone uh, to have those, uh, to have those conversations? I don't know. But for me, I've discovered that it's through my journaling and then through my writing, and then these songs that are coming out are just, is me sharing my day. So the concept is, I have a song, it's called Morning, Afternoon, (laughs) Evening, Late at Night. 
And morning is about uh, waking up and hating my husband. <laughs> the afternoon is about anxiety. The evening is that sort of dark, guilt-ridden feeling of relief that she's going to sleep. And sadness that, oh, did I, get a, did I, did I do it right today? And then late evening is, again, filled with anxiety, but also that feeling of, oh, bodily autonomy. Because yeah. bodily autonomy and not having it and not having a choice necessarily. I, I could have stopped breastfeeding with her, but as, you know, it was my choice to, as a mom to keep on and continue to do so. But choosing, but not like, what is, choosing not to have bodily autonomy is a weird place to be in. Circles and lines Connecting fields and sky The marks made for your eyes only Do you know what you're even listening to? It's Yeah What She Said on CGSW 90.9 FM. And we want revolution! Girls don't This is Yeah What She Said on CGSW 90.9 FM. I'm Kit, and I want to talk about the importance of physical women's spaces in Calgary. I'm chatting with Jessica Clark from the Women's Center. Jessica, can you introduce yourself? I am the communications coordinator at the Women's Center. Why do you think women's centers are still important to keep around? That's a really big question and a really good question. Whenever you are um, in a position where you are asking for something, you're asking for help, there is already an introduced power dynamic there. So we do meet a lot of basic needs for the women who come into our community. I couldn't imagine going into a space and asking for something to begin with. And then the added element on that of um, maybe not feeling safe because of a past trauma or a past experience or uh, something that drove you to the center to begin with. So maybe you're experiencing some domestic violence or you're a sex worker or you're an Indigenous person who's had some run-ins with some authorities. I feel like a lot of people might get a woman's center and a woman's shelter mixed up. Can you elaborate on the differences between the two? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it happens constantly. Uh, we just hired someone and uh, it took her a couple of weeks still to to drop the shelter and, and, and talk about us as a women's center. So the women's center is a resource center. We are not a shelter. So we are a feminist organization. We have three areas of work. So the first is basic needs, as we've mentioned. Um, so those are things like food, resources to shelter, some legal advice as well. And then things like furniture, clothing, all of those things that you need to make meet your basic needs. And I would argue as well that safety is, is a basic need too. And then our next area of work is connect with others. So we're, we're sort of operating on this idea that you're coming into the Women's Center at any one of these three areas and you're moving in between any one of these three areas. And that's sort of the point. So once your basic needs are met or a little bit more stable. Uh, you can move into the second area of work, which is connect with others. And connect with others is the space itself. So the space itself does not have uh, locked door, closed doors. All of the staff, volunteers, and women who access the space are on the same level and they're in the same area. 
So you can come in and you can speak to staff and you can speak to volunteers and not have to make appointments or worry about intake. Or you can come into the center, have a coffee or make some coffee, use the space, sit down. Okay, and if you're a woman who feels like she has her basic needs met, what else can the Women's Center provide? Yeah, so the the opportunity to attend workshops, uh, the opportunity to volunteer as well to give back. Um, some of our leadership development programs, uh, like the Women Lead YYC. Um, and then also our Work for Change area has social issues discussions where we'll talk from every, every talk about everything from reconciliation to um, access to menstrual products to uh, affordable transit to women's leadership or women's representation in government. Um, and then also to, to to get involved with some of our um, policy building and some of the walks that happen in Calgary as well. And we also, um, uh, we like, we, we believe that women are the experts in their own lives. I know that sounds very formulated because that's how we've written it. Um, but you know, you're not going to ask if you don't need it. So if you need something, you're going to come in and you're going to ask for it. And we're not going to question that. We also believe in reciprocity. So if you are in a, a place where you are a bit more secure or stable, um, then you can also give back or you can also engage in some of those those other areas as well. If you if you want to give back or you want to uh, learn a bit more about women's spaces or you want to just come down to the center, we are open for all for all women. Yes. And speaking of where you're open, can you let us know where you're physically located in Calgary? Um, so we are uh, I guess we're te- we technically say we're in Bridgeland. Um, We're kind of on the southwest corner of Bridgeland. Um, So we're on 39th Street, sorry, 39 4th Street Northeast. Jessica, I want to thank you so much for being here and talking with me and the community about the Women's Center. If you have any more questions on how you can get involved with the Women's Center or use their services, do not hesitate to reach out to them or us. And I'll see you there because I volunteer there. And what I can say about the Women's Centre is that it's a really comfortable place to go. This is Kit, and this is Yeah What She Said on CJSW 90.9 FM. Thank you, Kit. And as Kit just said, you're listening to Yeah, What She Said on CJSW 90.9 FM. I'm your host this month. My name is Georgia Jones. And we're going to head back to Calgary musician Kenna Barima's bustling kitchen, where you can you can hear a little bit of her daughter, Eliana, listening to some cartoons in the background. But Kenna and I are chatting about space. We're talking about our physical environment, our mental space, our creative space, our emotional space. And, and at this point in the conversation, we're just talking about Kenna's switch back and forth between a public space and a, and a private space and identity that she's negotiating and all of its changing ways. <laughs> so is this a kind of 
public kind of took a step back yeah. and has become yeah. a more private kind of. Yeah, absolutely. With but I, preparation to becoming a new public kind Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I'm uncomfortable with it for sure. And yeah. I've also realized, though, acknowledging that I am already so public already. Yeah. Like, I would say probably, I have 28 students that I teach a week. They come here with their parents. So there's at least 60 people coming in this house, you know, and, and, uh, and then through my music, through so many things that, that I do already, uh, interacting with so many people, just having a really wonderful, wide, varied, uh, community of friends and, and family and, uh, you know, just the wider art scene in Calgary, uh, that again, if I just continue to be present for all of those interactions, all of those people whenever I'm in their space and that I'm always coming from a place of listening rather than what I had done in the past, which was present myself to da and continue forth <laughs> stealing all the energy. In the- no, that's not fair. Just, yeah, uh, I'm loud and I'm exuberant and I'm enthusiastic and, and, uh, I don't think there's anything uh, bad is going to come of me taking a moment and listening a little bit more. Is that connected with aging in some way? I absolutely. Too? I was thinking like, about it this morning. Absolutely. Yeah. I was thinking about the way that my daughter has a Sharpie. This is always just a terrible... Not a good thing. No. Oh, very pretty. Yeah. Let's just... Yeah. You, yeah. Thankfully, you got it in time. Um, I think it is. Absolutely. The, um, you know, the, the doing versus being, is it just sheer exhaust, exhaustion that, that it becomes more a thing of being? I also think that by, you know, the discussion of bodily autonomy earlier really ha- I found uh, cultivated a desire for solitude, mm-hmm. um, which I never had before. And so what that has meant is that I've, just a second, Cashy, <laughs> I've had to really carve out time for solitude. What does it feel like when you're at home by yourself? It feels very weird. Yeah. It feels oh, very big. Um, it feel, feels very it feels very spacious. It doesn't happen very often. Where I get routine solitude is I take the dogs up for a walk every morning. Okay. Not this morning, but having that kind of solitude. Being alone with your thoughts, man. Yeah. Right? Uh, and especially when there's, yeah, a, another level of yeah, another level of responsibility. I don't just have to keep myself alive and be concerned about my partner keeping alive. Yeah, I have to now be concerned about a literal extension of my body. Her biological makeup is made up of me and him and all of my ancestors from behind. So the responsibility of that isn't necessarily crushing, <laughs> but it's. Uh, it, I think it's important, especially as we move into a time where it seems that there's more and more conversation of what the future is going to like look like for our generation. We're, we kind of feels and seems like we are at a place where we are accepting that the future for our children is not actually going to be as rosy as it was for us. I know that's really hard for me to yeah, it seems, wrap my head around, yeah. but it's the truth. It's, it seems that it's the truth, hey? Yeah. And so I think it means that then how do we then function with that acceptance? Because if we are, it's not end times, I'm not necessarily that, but like to be cheeky, if we are in times where things will never be the same, 
then how, 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 what is our responsibility in moving forward? What is our responsibility in still attempting to uh, reconcile, right? And just like that, another episode of Yeah, What She Said draws to a close. Thank you so much to Kenna Barima for sitting down and chatting with me, for inviting me into her home. I appreciate your honesty, your openness, your generosity so much. Thanks also to Kit Coleman and Jessica Clark who were talking together about safe spaces, women's spaces, and in particular, the Women's Center here in Calgary. Now, if you want to listen to this episode again or listen to past episodes of Yeah, What She Said, you can access them through uh, wherever you usually go to get your podcasts or just head over to cjsw.com. And of course, you can head over there anyway to find out why we are all a flutter about funding drive that's coming up this month on CJSW. Now, music in this month's episode of Yeah, What She Said was by Kenna Barima. It's a track called Circles from her 2016 album, Him. And we're playing out with some new music from Kenna. And just before I left her place, she sat down and played something that she's been working on a bit. So I'm going to let her take over and play us out of this month's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Bye for now.